face down, ass up. That's the way we like to do you in my Benz truck. Then hit all your friends up. Yeah, I put it on her. She won't even bring her mans up. Damn, bro, heard that you need to get your mans up. On her like a poster pippin'. Yeah, I got her pinned up, hemmed up, top to the bottom. Get your hands up. Police at my door. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. I'm Ian Edwards. And uh, yeah, man, this is the Christmas episode, if you believe in Christmas. If you don't, it's just the days off because of Christmas episode. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to allthingscomedy.com. They're the website that hosts this podcast, along with a ton of other dope podcasts with other incredible comics, including Bill Burr, Harlem Williams. Uh, Tom Rhodes, and the list goes on. Can't name everybody. Al Magical and uh, Chris Spencer. We can keep going. Let's go to the site, allthingscomedy.com, and check them out. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to a few people on Twitter that always uh, retweet me. One is Tommy Boy Live at Tommy Boy Live, and uh, the homie Shane Lucas Price, man. Good looking out. Keep that up. Appreciate it for real, for real. Uh, so, what's going on this week? Uh, soccer, soccer. That's what's going on this week. We got some uh, Christmas holiday soccer, and uh, one of the big things that happened this weekend was the World Club Final, and uh, that was between Bayern Munich and Raja Casablanca. Uh, Raja Casablanca are the host nation, and they're from Morocco. And they beat Atletico Mineiro. So they made it to the final. And I wanted to see a final where Ronaldinho from Atletico Mineiro returns to world glory against Pep Guardiolo, the coach who kicked him out of Barcelona. Thanks for ruining a great movie plot, Raja Casablanca. Thanks for ruining it with your football and pride and determination to get to the final. Uh, I hatefully congratulate you. This could have been one of the greatest games ever. But nah, you had to be selfish and hardworking bastards, and you had to want to win a dumb World Club trophy. I thought you guys were football players who loved football and wanted to do anything to promote and grow the sport. And if you are, Raha, why would you ruin the dream matchup millions of fans around the world wanted to see by beating Atletico Mineiro and keeping Ronaldinho away from his destiny? Who does that? Anyway, congrats. So, uh, Bayern versus Raha Casablanca is the World Club final. And, uh, why... Do you have a host nation that didn't win a continental championship in the tournament anyway? How is this the World Club Championship? Uh, this is more bogus than the BET Awards. Come on, FIFA. You worked hard to legitimize a tournament, and then you ruin it by making decisions like this. Uh, I'm sure you got some money under the table to let Moroccan team be like the host of it. So, you know, good luck to your bank account. Either way, I'm dumb for expecting FIFA to do better. And I know, I gotta give him props, uh, Casablanca, 
for beating one of my favorites to make it to the final. They beat Atletico, as I keep saying. and uh, But, you know, you can't. Well, let me put it this way. I know they beat Atletico to make it to the final, but they had the element of surprise of Atletico not taking them seriously. I mean, why would they? It's a team from Morocco. Plus, they just got off the plane with jet lag, and you don't even have time to sleep, much less take a Moroccan team serious. Uh, so, but regardless, I still got to give props because they still beat Monterey and Auckland City and now Atletico Mineiro to ruin the World Club final. Okay, so the game starts with Bayern dominating, of course. Uh, Raja did create a chance early, good for them. Uh, the stadium was also packed with Moroccan fans cheering enthusiastically for their club. And they weren't all Raja fans. It was just Moroccans, period, who were just Moroccan football fans. Like, Morocco is not going to the World Cup. So this tournament was their World Cup. Uh, but Dante from Bayern Munich put a stop to all their enthusiasm early when he scored to put Bayern up by one, seven minutes into the game. Tactically, Raha had a plan, and it's usually the plan you employ against teams that are superior to you, and it was to work hard and put pressure on the ball. And uh, it's easy for a coach to get his players to listen to the let's work our asses off plan when they know that they're underdogs. You know, they'll listen because they know a good game plan is the only thing that can save you when you're about to face a more skilled team. And uh, But don't get me wrong again. They had some decent players on Raha, and uh, they wouldn't have gotten this far without them. But against Bayern, I didn't think that they were really going to stand a chance. Nobody did. Speaking of skill, Alaba and Thiago teamed up for Bayern's second goal. Uh, Thiago is one of my favorite players. The only thing I don't like about him is that he didn't go to Man U. Besides that, I think he's the future. And in the 22nd minute, he proved he's the future. He uh, put his begrudging team up 2-0. Uh, I don't think Thiago completely fits on Bayern with his style, you know what I'm saying? But he's a great player for them to have if you want to give a part of the Bayern machine a rest. Uh, before and after the goal, the match became like an internationally televised training drill of keep away. Like Bayern just had the ball and refused to give it back to the country who owned it. Then Dante almost scored off another header uh, later on. It was a great cross, and uh, man, you know, just Dante, like as a pro playing in the German league, he is just easily superior than any Raha player in the air. And it's plays like this that made the skill gap evident. Then Shakiri took a shot, and the keeper had to make a save on it, and it looked like for a minute that the Casablanca goal was a target at a firing range. Casablanca almost scored when Nur passed the ball to a Casablanca forward and gave him a free shot at the goal. It's a good thing the shot went wide because the goal was pretty much open and that Casablanca player blew it. Uh, 
Thomas Muller would have scored if the same mistake had been made at the reverse end. And that, again, was the difference in skill level. And like, again, I'm not saying Raha didn't put up a fight. They had their spells when they put Byron under attack. But this was just going to be one of those predictable movies. And I'm not talking Rocky either. The second half started the same way as the first. And you know what the thing is about Byron? It's not that they're just a skill team. They also have a high work rate. So if you came into a game against them and your advantage was to outwork some fat, rich guys, they take away what would have been your only advantage by outworking you. They're slim, rich guys who outwork poor, hardworking guys. Tiago almost scored a second when he blew a ball over the post after another buying player hit the post. Then Raha retaliated with a shot of their own that also went over the bar. Then there was a little brush up when a Raha player came in with a two-footed tackle. It was dangerous. It didn't look good. And uh, luckily, he didn't connect. But it did look like a shitty, desperate tackle that you don't make in a World Club final. Especially if you're, you know, you're the beloved underdog. I got to tell you, even though they were down to and Bayern was running shit, uh, the Moroccan crowd stayed in the game. They were singing and chanting. It's like, listen, they paid to have a good time, and they were determined to have a good time regardless, and they stayed vocal and joyous throughout. So good for them, man. You know, it sounded like they were having a party over there. I wish I was one of them. By the 70th minute, and probably before that, it seemed like both teams had made an agreement to just take it easy for the rest of the match. There was a definite lull in the match till one of the Raha forwards broke the peace treaty by launching a vicious shot that Noor saved in the 83rd minute. I mean, it looked like he tried to murder the German goalkeeper at close range. He just blasted that ball directly at his face. And Noor put his hands up, knocked it away. Casablanca got off a few other shots later, but the game ended 2-0, and now Pep has another World Club title. Uh, the players applauded, thanked the fans, and there was an exchange of jerseys. Uh, the Bayern Munich jersey is so popular, I've seen a Bayern Munich player exchange his jersey with another Bayern Munich player. But... It was a decent match to watch. It was all right. I always like to check out the World Club uh, final, see who won. You know, like this tournament has been meaning more and more over the years, so it's a good thing to check out. And uh, Bayern, the European champs, are now the World Club champs. Good for you. And a uh, good game, uh, Casablanca. Now, the next biggest match this week and was in the Italian League and, man, Inter Milan versus AC Milan. This is a massive match, man, with huge names. And in terms of Inter, some really old, huge names. Uh, we're talking Cambiasso and 40-year-old Javier Zanetti. But much respect to Javier Zanetti. Even though he's 40, he plays like a 39-year-old. Nah, just kidding. His playing hasn't aged a bit. He's just as determined as ever. Uh, and there are other players to watch on the other side of the field with Balotelli and a brand new old cocker 
who's back on the team and back in his old AC Milan form. Just another aside on Zanetti. Uh, Zanetti is such a man's man. He, like He's one of the man's men of man's men. He's a modern-day warrior. And if you got to admire a dude, he's the dude to admire, no matter what team he plays for. With him as your captain and Cambiasso on your side, how could you as a young player take a second of a game off? Like a coach doesn't even have to do shit to motivate his players when these two players are on the field. Like they're going to haul ass and everybody else is just going to follow. This was the 159th derby between the two teams, and uh, that's a derby. Not something we in America made up because we feel like we have to incorporate a European soccer term into our American soccer soccer vernacular. Generations of fans have died during the endurance of this derby. This is a real deal derby. 159 matches these two teams have played against each other. And in America, you just got to be patient and build till we have numbers like that, till we have history like that. Let's not just call it history the first game of a, a, a derby that we made up. That being said, the game started crappy. And I don't care if this was a derby. If each team didn't start putting more than three passes together, I was going to start watching this. Even the coach had to make the calm down hand gesture to his team to say, hey, man, relax. This looks shitty. I'm about to go to the locker room and watch the Lil Monaco game if you guys keep this up. Uh, Balotelli got his first shot in the ninth minute. It went over the bar. It was a nice, decent try. And uh, he got the shot from some good play down the right-hand side from Pauly, who crossed it in. Players were being shoved to the floor constantly. There was a lot of battling and fighting. It was soccer to armed combat going on out there. Players were shoving each other on the ground more than they were playing the ball. Uh, then Cambriasso took down Balotelli, and Balotelli got upset. And all I can tell you so far is that there were few attempts on goal, and bodies were hitting the ground frequently. It was like a soccer battle royal. Uh, Balotelli got up and took an emotional free kick that hit the wall. He was still upset from the foul. Then uh, DeCilio of Milan got a card for a foul. And the ref had to start giving these cards out to somehow control the game. Uh, Nagatoma, the Japanese left back for Inter, looked impressive. Uh, this was the first time I got a really got a chance to look at him. And I was happy with what I saw. AC Milan was putting pressure on the Inter players and not giving them time on the ball. They made them cough it up. It was like uh, a bunch of girls holding their drunk girlfriends here and encouraging them to throw up. Soon as Milan gave up the ball, they pressured and got it back. Then in the 39th, the Inter fans started calling for a penalty. And at first, it didn't look like one. But on second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth reviewing, you could see that they really had a point. Palacio was bumped off the ball in the box. And AC Milan got away with it. Uh, that defender went right through him. And uh, him and his little three-haired ponytail. Then later, Jonathan got around the left back and got fouled when Montari stepped on his ankle. 
and got away with it. That should have been definitely a straight red card. He perfectly smashed down on Jonathan's ankle. And I don't know how Jonathan got up. I would have stayed down no matter how much magic spray they used. Then uh, Cambiasso blew an open header right on the last play of the half. And uh, first half was over. And all I can say is, if you like rugby, you would have enjoyed the first half of this match. Because this was basically rugby with your feet. Uh, in the second half, Inter got the first shot of the half. It was a soft shot from Jonathan, but it was progress compared to what they had been doing in the first half. Uh, AC was knocking the ball around and came out in the second half smoother than they did in the first. And uh, don't get me wrong, they were the better team in the first half, but they were the best looking of two ugly girls. Now, it looked like they'd gone in the tunnel at halftime and got some plastic surgery in the locker room and looked better playing in the second half. Uh, Zapata saved the goal after a header from Campanaro that would have went in. He got in the way and blocked it after the keeper was definitely beat. So he saved the goal there. Then Balotelli forced the interkeeper to make a save. And even though AC Milan was playing better, I still thought Inter would win. And I was hoping that my gut instinct was wrong, but later on it just proved to be right. Uh, just an aside, why does the Inter coach look like Alec Baldwin if he had plastic surgery to make him not look younger? Back to the game, uh, Inter started to have a spell where they started to look strong. And as soon as it started, AC Milan broke it up and counterattacked. Then De Jong got a card that he earned by a foul on Kovacic. It was a really mean tackle. He kind of kind of twisted the player's leg in between his knees. And shit was rough out there. I didn't even know AC Milan had this in them. Like uh, They're more known for being a finesse team, and they were roughing it up out there. And they started this shit. Uh, Nagatomo continued to look dangerous for Inter. Uh, he plays like a non-stop wind-up machine. He just wouldn't give up. And it was like playing against a Terminator. He was relentless. He kept on storming down the wings. He would cut inside. He was doing an Asian Iron Robin impersonation, and it was dope. Uh, Balotelli didn't get the ball much, but when he did, he looked dangerous. Uh, several Inter players earned Christmas yellow cards trying to deal with him. In the 80th minute, Nagatoma got the ball to Palacio, and that caused problems in the AC Milan box when Abiati couldn't get his hands on it. Another thing that was funny about this match is that Inter had three captains during the match. Zanetti was the first one, and when he got subbed off, he gave the band to Cambiasso, and then when Cambioso got subbed off, he gave the ban to Nagatomo, and uh, I've been watching soccer for a long time, and I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen a, a team use three captains in one match. That was pretty hilarious to see. And, uh, hey, coach, how about you give the armband to somebody you're not going to sub out? I mean, I guess sometimes you can't even tell. It doesn't even matter anyway. But three captains in one match, it's kind of bananas. I believe in the consistent leader thing, but hey. And uh, just like I thought, 
In the 85th minute, Rodrigo Palacio from Inter side-heeled the ball in the back of the net, and Inter goes up 1-0. Uh, their place in the table above AC Milan doesn't lie, and even though Inter didn't play well, I know they're dangerous and that they're a resourceful team. Uh, pretty football doesn't matter to them. They'll always find a way to win an ugly girl contest. Uh, the crowd came alive and was cheering. And finally, we had a game on our hands with an entire four minutes left in the match, plus some extra time. Then in extra time, Muntari from AC Milan, who was playing unhinged all day, got a red card for shoving. He shouldn't have done it. There was still some time on the clock, and, it, and AC had just earned a free kick, and they could have probably used the extra man, but Muntari lost his head and was out. Uh, AC Milan took the set piece, and it was taken by Balotelli, and De Jong missed the equalizer. I'm still trying to figure out how he missed it, because it was right there on his head. Balotelli took a perfect free kick, and he was the only one on the far post, and somehow he missed it. And then they had, like, one other chance that was also another header, and it missed, and then the game was over. So Inter wins the derby, and uh, they stay ahead of AC in the tables. And, uh, you know, old battle axes like Javier Sanadi and Cambiasso, you know, their influence on their team holds up. Uh, probably of the 159 uh, derby games uh, between the two teams, Javier Sanadi has probably been in 180 of them. That's how long he's been playing for Inter. Jesus. It's a war horse. All right, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of all the European games. And we're going to start off with PSG versus Lille. Game ended 2-2. Lil pushed them to the brink and proved that the table don't lie. They're in third in the French table, and they belong there. This is a big match. And uh, Lil is one of the few teams in the French league within striking range of PSG, and they proved that they're not within striking range by accident. Shit is real, and they are gunning for PSG. And uh, they're making the PSG coach panic. Made a speech about uh, the team is too dependent on Ibrahimovic and Cavani and that other people have to score. Well, listen, man, it's not all about goals. Everybody's doing their jobs. They're preventing other teams all week from scoring. Stop panicking. Your goal scorers are scoring. And I've seen other players pick up the slack. And I know you want to. You're not going to win every game. So calm the fuck down. All right, you're tired. You're still at the top of the table. Lil didn't gain any ground. And relax. Real Madrid, three goals to two over Valencia. And Hesse scored the gold winner for Madrid, and he's happy about that. It's his dream to score a goal winner for Real Madrid. He's been thinking about it since he was a kid, and he did it today. Uh, Di Maria, he started out there on the right. He scored an amazing goal, uh, came down the wing, cut in, took on two defenders in the box, and then did it Iron Robin style, pushed the ball to the far post, killed it, 
Uh, Ronaldo scores, scored off a header. Then SA got the third. Nice try, Valencia. Just couldn't hold up. Of course, the Derby, International versus AC Milan. Did a whole segment on that. Uh, Athletic Club beat Rio Vaccaro. Everton just keeps marching on, man. They beat Swansea 2-1, and they are in the championship zone. It's going to be weird, man, if this team somehow finishes even number two because nobody's expecting them to. And uh, new coach Martinez got these dudes balling. They're balling better than Man U. Barcelona beat Getafe 5-2. Word to the wise, Getafe. Don't go up 2-0 on Barcelona, especially when your first goal was so stylish. Like, there was a backflip involved, and the player went down and put it past the keeper. They embarrassed Barcelona, Barcelona style. And then uh, Pedro was like, I'm not having this. So he put two, three in the net, and Cesc put two more, and they just scored five goals in a row. And it said, hey, man, don't be trying to go up two goals on us, play us like that. And uh, thank God they scored the five goals, because when Getafe was two goals up, it was funny to see uh, Tata on the sidelines, like, blowing through his lips. Like, he's almost having a mini-stroke, wondering what the hell's going on. But uh, his team came back. He's like, this is not the plan that I sent them out there with. But calm down. They came back. Torino beat Chievo 4-1. Torino's uh, kind of doing it. At least they did it this week. Fiorentino beat Sassulu 1-0. Ellis Verona beat Lazio 4-1. They kind of stomped him. Speaking of stomping, uh, Roma put the boots to Catania. Beat them 4 nothing. Oh, there's a lot of four-goal games by one team in the league. Uh, Juventus beat Atalanta 4-1. Paul Pogba kind of made a mistake and was responsible for Atalanta's goal, but he sure made up with it with the equalizer. He got that back. And uh, Tevez scored. Well, Pogba got the... Scored a 2-1. Tevez scored first in Atalanta when Pogba was fucking around in a danger area. Got the ball stolen from him. And then he came back determined to make up for his mistake and scored, made it 2-1. And then the rest of everybody just jumped in from Juventus. Uh, Spurs, mysteriously, they win. They beat Southampton, who is the real deal, by the way. So this was a legitimate game. Uh... Spurs played Southampton, and old coach is gone. You know, Villas Boas, the tinkerer, the guy who likes to change everything, he changed shit so much that the general manager for the club said, you know what, I'm going to change you and get a new coach. You changed all my players, I'm going to change you. And he did that, and I think the new coach is like an assistant coach that's been promoted. You know, they're going from within for now. And uh, he won his first game. And mysteriously, Adebayo, who was out of favor with Villas-Boas, back in the team, they had two forwards out there, Adebayo and Soldado, and they win 3-2. 
And uh, Adebayo, I think, scored the winner. Uh, Olympic Marseille beat Bordeaux. Well, they tied with Bordeaux 2-2. Bologna beat Genoa 1-0. Espanyol beat Real Valladolid 4-2. I hate saying Valladolid. It's one of the toughest names for me and my tongue to pronounce. So my bad for screwing that up. Uh, Napoli, what are you doing? Uh, you were one of the few teams that could catch Juventus. Now you're in third, but you're 10 points out. Unless Juventus just doesn't show up for their games, there's n- you don't stand a chance. It's just Roma is the only team within range. So Napoli, they tied with Calgary. 1-1, it's not good for the title shot. Uh, Benitez, what are you doing over there? This is the team that came second last year, almost won. Now you're trailing in a distant third. Atletico Madrid just keeps marching on. They won like probably like five games in a row. Uh, They beat Levante 3-2. They're just doing it, man. Diego Simeone over there and Diego Costa just just doing it. I don't know what Simeone is telling these dudes of like patchwork. He's got a patchwork team that's playing like a team. I don't know what he's told them. Or tells him in the locker room, but that shit is working. He has magic in his words. And uh, they're up there. Let me see what other games. Newcastle beat Crystal Palace in the Premiership 3 nothing. Uh, Aston Villa loses to Stoke. Aston Villa is my homeboy Lloyd's team. Lloyd, what is your team doing? I don't even have to ask. They're doing what they normally do, not win. So... Villarreal beat, well, Sevilla beat Villarreal 2-1. And, uh, whoa, man, you, what, you won again today? All right. They beat West Ham 3-1. They're supposed to beat West Ham. Not impressed. Uh, Janazai scored. I think he scored the second goal for Man U. So good for him. And Welbeck scored a few times. Him and Rooney combined uh, put some passes together. So Welbeck. And uh, Ashley Young scored a devastating goal. Just a devastating goal. And I think he scored in the last game he played. So the only way he's going to shake that diving tag that everybody's putting on him is by scoring goals. So keep scoring, man. It's your only shot to to beat that nickname. Bayer Leverkusen, I've been bigging you up, and you lose. You lose the word of Bremer, and uh, you're slipping. It's a good thing Dortmund kind of sucks right now. Or they would have caught you. But uh, you're definitely slipping by Leverkusen. Gave you mad props the other day. This is how you retreat me. This is how you uh, repay me. Uh, Borussia Dortmund lost again. Uh, Hertha Berlin. I think they lost three games at home in a row. Or five games in the Bundesliga. Just something outrageous. Uh, I'd have to go look it back up, but Dortmund is uh, tripping and tripping up right now. It is not good. Players that they sold and the players that they still have that want to leave are hurting the team, probably. It's not good over there. Klopp is not Klopp's fault. He's a good coach. But, you know, it's the type of team where people pick apart and take everything that you have. And uh, he needs to go somewhere stable. Uh, there's a job open in England club called Tottenham. Got some players over there. You might want to check into it. 
get out of this team because all the players want to leave. You might as well leave and go somewhere that has some stability. Liverpool, they're at the top of the premiership right now. They beat Cardiff 3-1. Of course, Suarez scored. I think he scored twice. And they set up one for Sterling. And, uh, yeah, they were good goals. And there's, there was dumb talk last week. Suarez had some remarkable games. But you can't ask the question, who's the best player in the world right now? It's Cristiano Ronaldo. All Suarez did is have some hot weeks. He is not the best player in the world. He's not better than some of the midfielders in the world. So he's not better than Ribery. You know, he's just, he's just, he's really good. But he's not on Ronaldo Messi level. So pause all that talk. Also, gonna let's go through the tables. See who's doing what in the standings. Let's go to La Liga first. Barcelona still at the top, 46 points. Atletico Madrid tied with Barcelona at the top, 46 points. This shit might go down to goal difference if they keep this up. That is bananas. After 17 games played, 46 points apiece, Barcelona is ahead of Atletico Madrid by two goals. That is crazy. Real Madrid is third. They have 41 points. They're the only other team that has a chance of catching these two. And uh, I don't know if they can do it, but we'll see. I'm rooting for them. Athletic is uh, in fourth. Real Sociedad is in fifth. Villarreal is in sixth. Sevilla is in seventh. Getafe is in eighth. Espanol is in ninth. And Malaga is in tenth. Let's go to League One, the French League. Paris Saint-Germain held on, came back today, and tied 2-2 with Lille. They have 44 points. Monaco, they have 41 points, and they're in second. And Lille, right there in third, 40 points. They're within four points of the top team, and they're within one point of the second team, Monaco. Monaco's not even a short second, the way Lille's playing right now. Bordeaux's in fourth, but they don't stand a chance. They uh they got 31 points. ASSE, 30 points. Marseille, 29 points. They're in six. Nine, seven. Stard Reims in eighth. Lorient, ninth. Leon, tenth. Let's go to the Premiership, where Liverpool are at the top of the table, baby. They got 36 points, and Liverpool's at the top of the table. Uh, Liverpool's probably only been at the top of the table like at the beginning of the season uh, before nobody has played. And there they are, top of the table right now. And let's see if they can hang on. One of the reasons they're at the top of the table is that they won this week. Another reason why they're at the top of the table is because Arsenal hasn't played yet. And Arsenal's going to play tomorrow or today, Monday. It's early in the morning here right now. It's Monday morning. So they're going to play. And then we'll see. And they're going to play a tough team. They're going to play Chelsea. So we see how that goes down. But they are one point in third place behind Liverpool. And they have a game in hand. Man City, they're in second place with 35 points. 17 games played, the same amount as Liverpool. So they trail by one point. Everybody's saying that Man City is the team 
and that they fully expect Man City, who they feel has the best squad and is in the best form right now of all the teams in the Premiership to win. But Man City, uh, they they are going to have, they're just going to falter at some point. I don't know how much, if it's enough to throw them off the win, but I don't believe in them 100%. I like the team. They've been together for a minute. A lot of good chemistry. They added some parts, but they've had trouble on the road. And I and I think they've passed a lot of their trouble, but I don't think they're just going to win out all the way from here. And they might need to do that. It's just this is the reason why England is the best league. Yes, and I'm saying it's the best league because they got a number of teams in the knockout round of the Champions League. They got a significant amount of teams compared to other countries. So that's number one. But the other reason is Liverpool is in first, Man City's in second, Arsenal's in third, and Everton's in fourth, and Chelsea's in fifth. And Chelsea's in fifth, and they are three points behind Liverpool, who's in first. And Chelsea is a game behind, meaning they're going to play in a few hours. And this is how close this league is. And Newcastle, who's in sixth, they are only six points out. And Tottenham, who's in seventh, they're only six points out from the top team. And Man United, disgustingly, they're in eighth. And if I do the math correctly, they're eight points out. Southampton, they're in ninth. So it's just a, you can't call this league. You know, one month, one team looks like they're the team. Another month, another team looks like they're the team. And then another month, two teams look like they're the team. And all these good-ass teams who are competitive have to play each other. I can't, I don't believe in Man City like that. It's basically the same squad that won few years ago, but I don't know. For some reason, I like Pellegrini. Uh, shout out to Wilner. I think he scored today, but um, I'm not sold. I'll just leave it at that. Syria, Juventus, 46 points. They are on top, and they shrugged off all their challengers except Roma. Roma has 41 points. They're in second, and probably the only team that can catch them. Roma has to play perfect. And it's going to be tough to play perfect. Juventus, this is one of the few leagues I would just call early. Juventus just, with that squad and just what they've done in the last few years to win the league, you know, I've just seen the other teams that try to catch Juventus every year just wilt. So I can't believe that they're not going to wilt. Napoli's in third. They got 36 points. They are 10 points out. So that is not happening. Fiorentina. That's 33 points. So they're another 13 points behind. Inter Milan, they're in fifth with 31 points. Verona is in sixth with 29 points. Torino's in seventh. Palmer's in eighth. Genoa's in nine. And Lazio in, s in tenth. And you haven't even heard me mention AC Milan because they're not in the top ten. They're definitely not going to get a Champions League spot. And it's embarrassing, but they're in 13th place. And, uh, man, and the former players are outraged 
and they want heads on sticks. They want people fired, especially since they lost the Derby. Even though they know going in, Inter has a better squad. They they cannot comprehend losing a Derby. Table don't lie. Inter is ahead of Milan on the table now, and they were before the game. But people, ex-Milan players and Milan players, I mean, expected them to beat Inter. I didn't think they would. They put up a good fight. They had a good system. They, 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 if you judge the game on who did more, I'd probably give it to AC Milan, but if, you know, we judge this thing on goals and uh, Inter won. A moment of brilliance, and they won. Bundesliga, uh, this is how much Bayern got this sewn up. They didn't even play. They got a game in hand. They were off trolloping around Morocco, winning the World Club Championship. And so they didn't play in the Bundesliga, and they're still ahead. They're ahead by seven points without even playing. That's how much they got this. So Bayern's in one. Uh, Bayer, Leverkusen, who we fucked up this week. Uh, and they better focus. They're in second. They got 37 points. Muchen Gladbach, they're in third. Dortmund's in fourth. Dortmund is completely slipping. They've been having speeches and talking about they're going to get through this rough patch. Uh, the rough patch ain't over for you to get through it. It continues. They're in a consistent rough patch. So they got to fix some things. Like I said, Coach, there's team in England that wants you. Uh, that team, fuck it. Try to get Man U's job. I believe in you more than Moyes. Uh, Wolfsburg, they're in fifth. Hertha, Berlin. They're in sixth. Schalke is in seventh. And uh, FC Augsburg's in eighth. Mainz is in ninth. And Stuttgart's in tenth. And that's the German League. I'm going to look up some stories and discuss some things. Let's do that, right? All right, so for everybody that didn't know, I didn't know either. I just looked it up. Uh, so Suarez, the guy who was trying harder to leave Liverpool than score goals has just signed with them on Friday until 2018. It's amazing. What a turnaround. Uh, right now he has 19 goals and just 12 Premier League outings a season, and that's fucking impressive. And now he's pretty much locked in. He was trying to bounce. And I said it uh, like more than 10 podcasts ago. Was pro- you know, I said it when... Then when uh, I was still doing a podcast with Jason and with Francisco that they could end up keeping him, that he would end up staying. But it was still a far-fetched thing. I just knew anything was possible. But this is bananas. So he's going to be in the premiership. He's going to be with Liverpool. And they, they... They made it past the biting incident, which is the thing that shook everything up. And I guess everything was fine before that. And the only people that really hate Suarez are non-Liverpool fans. Even the fans really liked him, despite what he was doing. And even though he's definitely trying to get out of there. And I don't know why he doesn't want to go anywhere anymore. And he signed. I don't know if he just realized this is the best thing for him. 
it's probably the smartest thing he's ever done as a player like right now between last year and this year is like stay this thing is working out they'll probably formulate the team to work to his benefit so why go anywhere it's Liverpool they're a brand stick around I still don't like him but you know man he scored some impressive ass goals so can't be mad at that so it's a done deal Suarez staying with Liverpool all right, so I mentioned how it was peculiar that Adebayor, who was in exile by uh, Villas Boa, now that he's gone, showed up and played for Spurs this week. And uh, he played during the midweek. He scored one goal. And then uh, this weekend, he scored two. Psst. I don't know what Villas Boa was doing. I don't know what his beef was, but he, that, you know, Adebayor, you need scorers and you got one. And you s- you exile him. And then you don't score enough goals, and then you get fired. And if you just work it out with the player, just like I was talking about, uh, Suarez, he c- I don't know what type of beef Villas Boa and Adebayo had, but it couldn't have been worse than the situation that Suarez was in with Liverpool after the Biden incident. And then just him trying so hard to leave, especially in between the season break. And Rodgers worked it out. You know what I mean? So you got to give Rodgers, the coach of Liverpool, props for working it out with Suarez, not acting emotionally, and then he signed him. And then Villas Boas is trying to win over here, and he just says, fuck you, and gets rid of you. He doesn't work anything out, you know, I knew he had an ego, and I knew he was arrogant when he changed the entire roster of the team and didn't accept the players who were good and that were already there. He needed to make the team his for no reason, and now he's gone. And Sherwood, who had Adebayo on the reserve, says he never had a problem with him, and uh, he's always gotten along with him, and he brought him back, and uh, he won his first game. Uh, Sheridan says he has not needed to find any special words of encouragement or motivation for the striker. We all know Adebayor, and we all know he's a top player. He said, I want attackers to attack, defenders to defend, and midfielders to play midfield. I just want him to crack on and do what he does, and he's not letting me down. He was never a moment's problem with me. I'm always honest with players, and if they give me respect, I'll give it back. That's the relationship I have with Adebayo. I've been in this job five minutes. It's different when you're a manager. You have to balance a lot of players. But at the moment, I can't criticize anything he's done or anyone else in the squad. It's a simple game. It's about getting the ball to your top players in the right areas of the field. And I'm just going to stop there. This is just like saying Villas Boas is an asshole and he fucked up. It's a simple game. It's about getting the ball to your top players. That that means a lot. That means he didn't even like Villas Boas. And he's Morse code throwing Villas Boas under the bus. He might not be throwing Villas Boas under the bus. Villas Boas jumped in front of the bus himself. 
by the way he was doing things. It's good to see Adebayo play. He's young. He's like 29 years old. He should have been there. And now they have more attacking. And maybe he'll ease up, you know, the pressure on Saldado. And Saldado will get more goals. But he should have been there. He shouldn't have been in the reserves. He shouldn't have been punished. Willis Boas just punished himself out of a job. Also, uh, PSG just extended its Nike deal through to 2022. And... uh this is one of the things that Nike said that Paris Saint-Germain is one of the most ambitious, forward-thinking, and innovative sports teams in sports, and we're looking forward to the future. And can't argue with that. They're there. They got some money, and they're spending it, and they're trying to stay up. And uh, not just stay up. They're trying to win the league again, and they're trying to get to win the Champions League. And uh, they can. They got. They're. They're one of the teams that could do it. You know. They have to play perfectly, but they can win Champions League. I think they, they got their league pretty much sewn up. It's still tight. There's there's a team or two on their ass, but they could they could do this. So now they got that Nike money. They could spend it and get more players, look for youth players. They could do a bunch of things. Stale money is good. You, know, they, you got money coming in from Nike. You got Champions League money. You got other deals that I don't even know about. And, uh, you know, you spend money for your business, buying players, and it brings you more money in. So they balance their books. So uh, I don't even want to say congrats. It's none of my business. It is what it is. But, you know, just want to at least acknowledge somebody seems to be doing some business right. I guess this is uh, my last story. And this is amazing. Who says this? Uh, Man United manager David Moyes thinks the club may fail to lure top transfer targets in the January transfer window. If you feel it ain't going to happen, then you're right. It probably ain't going to happen. And what leader says this? Now, he might be saying it because hardly anybody's available. And if there are any big moves, those players might be spoken for. So just to calm people down when shit doesn't happen. But to me, I don't think he gets the concept of Man U. Like, you are the coach of Man U. And Man U's not like Everton where you just settle. I think he's coming with like a a little team attitude of settling like, Hey, hey, you want to join our team? No? Okay, cool, cool. All right. Uh, hey, you want to join our team? No? All right, cool. Like, you don't settle when you're man. You, you you go out, and it's just kind of like a different mentality. I don't think he has a big club mentality. Like, Ferguson would never say no shit like this. Even if you believe it, you don't say it. And the funny thing is, I like Ferguson. Love him. He's even been at a few games. He was at the game this weekend, and he's been at a few games. And I think he's there not to take over Moyes, but just kind of like settle the team down. And just he knows that his presence is positive. He knows that the players know that he'll be talking to Moyes, and it just makes them straighten up and play harder and play right, you know. He left Moyes a capable squad, a squad that's quite capable, maybe not of winning the championship, but at least 
finishing in the top four. So they're not in the top four right now. And uh, so he's showing up to games. And he should get paid to show up for games because he has a powerful presence and influence. And him being at the game almost makes the players feel like he's still coaching the team because they know he's going to speak to Moyes. And he knows he's going to give Moyes advice. And Moyes is going to take that advice. So if you're playing and you see Ferguson in the stand and you're a man, you player, you're going to play harder. And it's it's like ghost coaching. It's ghost coaching. So he should he should probably get paid just for watching. And Moyes stops saying shit like this. I've never seen, like, a coach of a big club say so much wrong shit in such little time. Man, you really need to know how to talk when you are a big club coach. This is not... You're not in the mid-table of the league anymore. This is the real deal. You the coach a man, you watch what you say. Think. All right, so that's pretty much it. By the time I speak to you next time, uh, Christmas will be over. Everybody have a Merry Christmas. It is Christmas. It's kind of crazy. Maybe 10 years ago, I hated saying Christmas because Christmas didn't exactly go down the way we were told when we were kids. But if you think about it, it's still a Christmas holiday. There are Christmas trees. It's about the story of Jesus, whether you believe in him or not. It's Christmas. Like Hanukkah is Hanukkah. They don't say happy holidays at Hanukkah time. They say happy Hanukkah. When it's Ramadan, they don't say happy fasting. They say happy Ramadan. So it's Christmas time, whether you believe in it or not. It's just the time that it is. I'm not saying yay for Christianity or nay. I'm just saying it is Christmas time. Have a Merry Christmas. And now also a happy holiday, but definitely Merry Christmas. Thanks, everybody who's listening to the podcast. Big ups, props. Enjoy and uh, live, help people. Have a good time with your fam. Shout out to my family. Uh, A lot of them are in England. My mom, my brother, my sisters, my nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins. And uh, have a good Christmas. Get at me on Twitter at Ian Edwards Comic. And still, if you live in California or you're going to be around, I'm always doing shows at the Comedy Store and the Laugh Factory. Hit me up on Twitter and you can come through. All right?